So, we met online. This is a podcast about love, sex, and everything in between, the world of online dating. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Erica. Welcome to So We Met Online. If you would like to learn more about the show, visit us online at sowemetonline.com and join us throughout social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at So We Met Online. So, we asked, and you came through. <laughs> Chris and I asked for topics, burning questions, things you just have to know right now. And I have to say, we got so many interesting topics and questions and things that if we did each one in its own episode, you'd be listening to this podcast until at least 2030. So we decided instead to do an episode with all of the questions and answer them each as we go, short answers, and then if and when you have more, you know where to find us. So I'm just going to start. I got a text message this morning asking how to give constructive feedback to the person you're dating like in terms of things they may do sexually or socially. <laughs> and I have to believe that probably there was an example that this person was thinking. I mean, my answer is going to be boring, but it's just going to be communication. You know, as long as you say something not in an accusatory way, but in a constructive way, in a tactful way, that's how you do it. So instead of saying, I hate when you do this, I love when you do this, stick with the I love when you do this, but... You can say, at least sexually, like, oh, this feels better than that. Yeah, it's interesting because in my various experiences, I would say that those conversations are happening in the moment, like to the left, to the right, a little harder, a little softer. Yes, I like that. Keep doing that. Whatever. I mean, that's happening. Oh, no, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think ultimately you have to just be blunt and have the conversation. But not during, right? No, during or after or anytime. Have the conversation. Just say, you know, I really liked it the other day when you... Right, correct. Because in the moment, first of all, if it's sexual, in the moment, who's paying attention, right? I mean, I think the person is paying attention for a second, but, you know, you're in the throes of passion or whatever. So I would bring it up at a time when you're not distracted and say, you know, I really liked when you did this thing. And this thing, you know, it feels better when you do this. What's the difference between communicating in the throes versus dirty talk? Okay, well, that's a good question. So I guess I was thinking about less directional move up, move down, and more, you know, I get a lot of complaints or, or questions from people about the frequency of sex in relationships. Well, okay. And that's what I'm trying to say. Don't have the conversation while you're having sex. Oh, we don't do this enough. You know, have the conversation some other time when you're clear-headed. Now, okay, that's why I was giving the advice I was. Now, back to in the moment, move up, move down. Is that dirty talk? <laughs> I mean, everyone has a be. different definition of dirty talk, right? Yeah, I see your point. Yes, I think there's two different conversations here. I think in general, <laughs> when we talk about physical activities in a relationship, sexual chemistry, things like that. You do need to have a conversation outside of the bedroom that talks about things like frequency, yep. location, expectations, expectations <laughs> desires. Mm -hmm. Did I say locations? Yes, locations. I don't even want to know. <laughs> the kitchen, okay, okay. the shower, 
wherever, right? So you have to have those conversations to set some sort of expectation and see if you are sexually compatible. But once you've kind of defined that you are sexually compatible, if things are not like grooving and shaking in the right way, I think you can do that during the moment or also after. Yeah, immediate feedback in that case is important. Again, as long as you're not accusing the person or being mean about it, you know, just be nice. I don't know. And then the other part of that question was socially. So I don't know what he meant by, you know, how do you give feedback socially? Maybe the person, you know, you bring that person to a party and he or she isn't as conversant or whatever you want. I mean, you can talk about that, but ultimately... You can't change somebody, and nor should you want to change somebody. You have to assume that the person you get is the person you get. And everyone has what I call a perceived set of flaws. And I know Chris is really dying to say something because I see his face, and I'm just going to keep talking. (laughs) Uh, Everyone has a perceived set of flaws, and maybe these social things or whatever are some of those. But ultimately, whoever you choose to be with, you have to know that you're getting these perceived flaws, and you have to be okay with that. Yeah, I'm going to hope that when he's asking socially, that just means verbally together talking. I'm hoping he doesn't mean, you know, when we're out at a dinner party, he brings up, hey, so how do you guys like to have sex? That is not a recommended approach. Where did you even get that? Socially. Yeah, I'm thinking about socially like someone's an introvert and someone's an extrovert. Yeah, see, I'm bad wording on that one. Should we move on? Yes. All right. A few people asked this question. When is it okay to introduce someone new to your friends or family? Is there a best venue to do this? So I would say just in general, introducing your significant other to anyone, there are going to be timelines, not a strict guide timeline per se, but I would say that for me, just thinking out loud, I would introduce you to my friends first, I have a son, so I would introduce you to my son, potentially second, and then I would introduce you to my parents, potentially third. And now, in what time frame is all of that happening? I'm not really sure. I could see myself introducing my significant other to friends pretty quickly, especially if we're like, hey, let's all go out to a movie, or hey, we're at a party, or let's all get dinner, or something like that. I I think that is the least resistant type of introduction, and you get really good, quick feedback, We talked about this previously. I've had women actually tell me that they say, you know, when I introduce you to my friends, that's actually a test, right? Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I I disagree with that because if I'm introducing somebody to my friends, it's because I'm proud. I'm excited. I can't wait to show him (laughs) to my friends and vice versa. I mean, if I'm dating someone, I should be proud of that. And I love my friends, so I'm proud to have them. So it's kind of... Like a show-off party. But does that also happen at different intervals? For instance, if I'm introducing my significant other to my friends in the second week, is that different motives than if I'm introducing my significant other to friends in like two months? I don't know. Answer your own question. I tend to think that if I'm introducing them sooner, it's not showing off per se, unless they're really hot. I'm not introducing them unless... You know, I really do want to get feedback. Now, the more I get to know them and the more proud I become of my significant other, then, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. like, hey, I really want you to meet my 
girlfriend. And it also depends on how close you are with the friends. Oh, yeah. So I would pick and choose which friends to introduce someone new to first. You know, maybe not my bestie in the world. Or maybe my bestie in the world because I care about their opinion. Though, whatever their opinion is, I have to obviously, we have to trust ourselves. But have you ever had a situation where either you didn't like your partner's friends or vice versa? Because no. I have. Oh. No. Oh, well. Because it's, I mean, do I get along with that other friend? Maybe yes or no, but they're technically not my friend. Indirectly, they may become my friend, but that's their friend, their decision. So. I only had it happen once. It was a long time ago in probably 2006. I was with someone for a year and a half. And most of his friends were in Chicago because he had lived there for a long time. And when I met them for the first time in Chicago, I just didn't get a good vibe. And you know when you feel included. And you know when you feel like people are listening to you and actually care about learning about you. They didn't ask me a single question. They didn't care about me at all. Anyway, and I thought, well, it was the first time. Maybe I misread the situation. And we met with them again, and I still didn't like them. (laughs) And... I always kind of wondered, I mean, because at the time, obviously, I wanted to be with my boyfriend, but I always kind of wondered, should this concern me a little bit that I don't like any of his friends? You know, I do, you know, after you share your story, I do know of people who I've heard their stories from, or I I even think a woman I dated uh, mentioned this. And I do think it may be a concern that if you don't get along with your significant other's friends, there could be a reason there. You know, maybe there's a red flag. Maybe there's not. Maybe you're reading into it. Think about it this way. If you are the type of person who enjoys having social engagements with friends, like dinner parties or going out for dinners, double dates, things Mm -hmm. like that, and there's no compatibility in that, then there may be a challenge long term. Well, yeah, that affects your whole social life. I know we went off on a tangent with that, but I think it was important because it all has to do with friends. Now, family, I couldn't tell someone when to introduce a new partner to your family. I wouldn't do it too soon, to be honest, because it definitely amplifies the seriousness of a relationship. If you're introducing someone to your parents, your children, it has a level of, I see this going somewhere. Yeah, so on that note... The seriousness of a relationship. When do you introduce your significant other to friends by becoming Facebook approved? Oh, God. What do you mean? Like, do you friend their friends? Facebook official. When do you make the announcement on Facebook in a relationship never. and publish it live for all the world to see? I would never do that. And here's why. Because Okay, hold on. Real quick. I would never do it either. I don't do it. But every single person I see out there is like so proud when they're able to put their relationship status as in a relationship with fill in the blank. Here's why I wouldn't do it. One, because I got burned in about 2004 (laughs) or 5 when Facebook had, you know, was new and fresh and nobody understood. Well, maybe just I didn't understand how it worked. And I had put that I was in a relationship when I joined Facebook because I was. Mm -hmm. And then when we were not anymore... I removed it. I did not know that pings all of your friends. And, and I got messages like, are you okay? I see you. Rela-. And I'm like, how did you know that? Who told you? And they're like, well, Facebook. So I think it's nice. You want to shout from the rooftop or the 
computer screen that you are in a relationship. However, I often do think, and and this gets totally into another topic, but I often do think people do that for the for the show, for the show, for the outside validation, yep. for the congratulations, for the three hundred yep. likes you're gonna yep. get. Yep. yep. And exactly. look, I'm no cynic. I want if you want a relationship to work out, I want it to work out for you. But inevitably, unless it's the one you end up with. They don't work out. I agree. And And just before we move on, I'll tell you, because I have seen, at least on my friends, at least three people who have announced that they are in a relationship and how ecstatic, amazing, happy they are that they have found their true love. And then a month later, all of the pictures, all of the statuses, everything mysteriously disappear Mm -hmm. so that no one can see it. And when I write and I say, uh, how's the relationship going? They're like, oh, it didn't work out. Right. So you're doing this on a repetitive cycle of post where I'm in a relationship, break up, repeat. And it's, I don't know, I just, it's not for me. I agree. I think, I mean, in general, I think people post entirely too much. I mean, I even saw someone posted the other day. If you can't reach me today, it's because I have a headache. (laughs) And I thought to myself... Take some Advil and lie down. And shut up. Basically, <laughs> I mean, people love overposting. And I think, I mean, that gets into a whole other thing. There was a an episode of This American Life on that where Ira Glass was interviewing these, I guess, teenagers, high school students about their social media use and how everything was a direct reflection of how many likes they got yeah. or how many comments they got. And I hate that because as someone who, you know, hopes – for everyone to have their own personal validation and not get it from the outside. I think that's that's hurting society. And okay, now I've like gone off the <laughs> deep end here. Let's take a little break and we will come back with some more questions. Have you wanted to become a tutor or a therapist? Maybe you already have a growing tutoring business. Oasis is an online tutoring management system that helps you to manage staff and students, create learning plans, progress reports, generate invoices, and streamline your entire business operation. If you are looking to take your tutoring or therapy business to the next level, visit oasisonline.com. That's O-A-S-E-S online.com. Oasis, the online tutor management system. And we're back. Uh, Another question we got from one of our listeners was, how do you decide the pace in dating? Like, how often to see someone? Uh, I think for me, it's just how you feel. Now, there is obviously external influences on that. I travel a lot for work. I get busy. I may not be able to see somebody as often as possible. Uh, I have a son, so... You know, my visitation schedule comes into play. There's a lot of factors that determine how often I will see somebody, which indirectly may determine the pace of that relationship. But as we've said with a lot of other things, there is no hard, fast, set rule. It really boils down to how much do I want to see this person? And if I want to see this person, I'm going to ask them to see me. And they're either going to say yes or no, and we're going to go accordingly. Right. What I wouldn't do, though, is to see someone every day right at the beginning stages of a relationship because and you're making a face at me chris because you've done that before. <laughs> you know i think we've all jumped in too quickly before when we're really excited but 
then sort of the entire course of a relationship that should maybe be, you know, six months is rolled into six days sometimes. And there's something to be said for missing each other a little bit. That's funny that you said that because we could go into the next question real quick. I actually wrote down just before we started this episode, does distance make the heart fonder? Well, I think the expression is absence makes the heart grow fonder. Distance, absence, the same thing to me. Do they make the heart fonder? So what you were just saying. Yes, if you're already inclined to like that person. No, if that person is less significant to you. Like I also believe that out of sight, out of mind comes into play too. So it really depends on your underlying feelings for this person. But yeah, at the beginning stages of a new relationship, I don't recommend every day. Actually, a client yesterday on the phone, we were having a coaching call, asked me, so he just met a woman and decided, they decided mutually that they're going to be exclusive. And I actually liked, she texted him and said, just confirming, are we boyfriend, girlfriend, or (laughs) are you my boyfriend? And it's not like they're that young or anything, but sometimes it is a little confusing. And do I introduce you as my boyfriend? And he actually called me after, I, I did laugh because he said to her, which I really appreciated, he said, I have a call with my dating coach. I'll get back to you. (laughs) And that was hilarious. So I said, well, think about it. You're at a party. You're with her. How do you feel saying this is my girlfriend? And I said, do you feel great? Do you feel anxious? You know, how does it make you feel? And he said, I feel good about it. And I said, okay, then tell her that sounds great. And then he asked me what we're talking about. How often should we see each other? And we had to take some logistics into account. She has a car. He doesn't. They live in a major city, but it would probably take him on the train, I don't know, 45 minutes to get there. So, you know, he found that she was picking him up a lot, whatever. So we talked about it. I said, I think at this early stage, a couple times a week sounds reasonable. Maybe a weekday date and a weekend date, something like that. But like you said, there are no hard and fast rules. It's just how you feel. Here's another question submitted. What do you do if there's a disconnect between attraction to personality and physical attraction? And I think this is something that happens all the time because I think it's happened for both of us. It certainly happened for my friends, my clients, where you're really into a person, at least emotionally. You like talking to that person. They're a great fit. Maybe you think they'd be a wonderful long-term partner, but for some reason, the physical attraction isn't there to you, and you try and try, and ultimately, you can't force yourself to be physically attracted to someone, and I do think some people settle in that case for not having that physical attraction, and, you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, physical is a large part of a relationship, and I tell people sometimes, you know, yeah, that person is great, and that person would make a great partner but not for you. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I can go on this topic probably for another five minutes straight. and Go at it. I have been in that situation on both sides. I've had... Everybody um, has. Yeah. I've been in relationships where I'm not physically attractive, but they, like you said, they're great you know, personality. I get along with them, et cetera. And I've been on the reverse where I've had women say, you know, you're great. I really enjoy you, but I'm not physically attracted to you. I mean, they've told me that to my face. But you're so handsome. Well... Uh, you know, to each their own. Mm-hmm. So I can understand that. And I have a couple of thoughts. The first thought is, how does that play when we know that we all get old, 
our looks are all naturally going to decline. And at the end of our life, would we rather be with somebody who we are physically attracted to or who we can sit in a room by a fireplace reading a book and be perfectly happy? Do you think those two things are mutually exclusive? In this case, we are saying they are. Why? You can still be attracted to someone when you're 85 years old. Well, yeah, but if you're not attracted to them to begin with, uh-huh. their, their beauty yeah. is going to go away naturally. You're saying if you are attracted to them at the beginning, their beauty is going to go away. No, I'm saying why do we put so much emphasis on looks uh-huh. when all of our looks are going to go away and all you're going to be left with after looks is just how much do you really honestly get along with this person? I only partially agree with that because, yeah, we'll all get old. Okay, that's inevitable. But I know how attractive my mom is to my dad, you know, and she's over 70. Sorry, mom, for (laughs) (laughs) throwing you under the bus there. But so I don't think that attraction, yeah, maybe looks on the objective side Mm -hmm. diminish, but I don't think attraction has to diminish. But where does that attraction come from? So this gets into my next point because we see on the dating sites now all of these new terms and maybe you you can shed some light on some of these terms but we have things like sapiosexual which is defined as I'm attracted to intelligence and Mm -hmm. not looks. I like your brain. I like your brain more than I like looks. I'm I am you know again I'm attracted to intelligence. Now I have a personal argument against that in Los Angeles, which I guess I can share real quickly. I don't believe anyone in Los Angeles that says they're sapiosexual is actually truthful to that. Come they're on. simply they are simply looking for rich men who okay. are smart, who are smart and have good jobs. Period. End of story. If you want to debate me, you can email me at the show. I can't just debate you right now. No, okay. You, you can debate okay, okay. me. But that's in Los Angeles. It's a superficial terminology to find smart, rich guys. I'm sorry. I'm saying it right now. So, But anyways, moving on. In that context, though, there are a lot of these different types of I'm attracted to this type of person, this type of person. There's all of these other uh, I'm attracted to people based on their voice. I'm attracted to people sure. based on you know their intelligence. I'm attracted to comedy. How do those play into an overall physical attraction? I mean, I think there has to be some element of both an emotional and a physical attraction, at least in the early stages of a relationship. Because why would you throw in the towel on that that early on? That's not to say this person has to be in your eyes, the most attractive person you've ever been with. Because often that, quote, most attractive person doesn't work out. Because when we are with the person we find so physically attractive, we tend to ignore everything else. I mean, that's why it's usually not the person we've had the best sex with in our lives who we end up with in life because there's something to be said for why was it the best because it was probably an abundance of physical attraction and nothing else well but that's another good point could you see yourself being more physically compatible than visually compatible i believe that actually a friend of mine recently um, unfortunately, they, they broke up recently because they were looking for different long-term things. But she said to me on the phone, and I never met him. I don't know what he looks like. But she said, you know, he's cute. He's not your stereotypical mm-hmm. hot guy or anything like that. And these are both people in their late 30s. She said, but when we are alone and 
in the bedroom, she goes, something happens and I am so attracted to him. Hmm. So I think the answer is yes to your question that there can be some differences between your physical attraction and your sexual yeah. attraction. Yeah. And, but there has to be some element of it there, I believe, in order to make a relationship work. There yeah. has to be both. Yeah, there has to be on some level, some form of attraction. What that attraction is, is going to be different for each person, but it has to be beyond just that emotional connection. So then on that note, here's another way we could ask this, or another question that I've seen. If a man really wants you, you do not have to chase him. He will do whatever it takes to have you. Do you agree with that? No, because sometimes if the woman is not showing interest in him, and I'm not saying I agree with this, Mm -hmm. but in order to not get rejected, he won't pursue her because he thinks he'll get rejected. I see that all the time after first dates where a guy will will be into a woman and want to ask her out and say, I just don't think she's that into me. I'm not going to bother. However, I will say when someone's – look, when someone likes you, you know. I mean, that's advice my mom gave me, you know, when I first started dating. When someone likes you, you'll know. They will reach out. They will make time for you. I was talking to someone the other day about – making time for people, you know, and we were saying that when you're in a relationship or when you're getting to know someone and you really want to see them, you will find 20 minutes in your day to have a quick coffee or even a FaceTime. Yep. So people are pretty transparent. I always say people love reading between the lines, but when it comes down to it, at its core, people are transparent. They see you if they want to and they don't if they don't. I completely agree. And we've talked about this before, even, you know, the, one of the funny things we've, said time and time again if you've got five minutes to sit on the toilet you've got five minutes to text somebody five minutes (laughs) i don't even want to know a minute 30 seconds whatever it is but But yes we do say that you will reach out and communicate (laughs) you're reading the economist in there sorry (laughs) 10 minutes okay (laughs) (laughs) When, when you want to reach out and talk to somebody you will make the effort to do it. Absolutely. And with that, I just want to thank everyone for submitting your questions. It really means a lot to us that you not only listen, but that you want to be a part of our podcast. So thank you, as always, for listening. 